Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to have you here gathered to have a chat. This is a long time coming. It, it just warms my heart to be in the presence of all of these beautiful women. Um, and in this platform that we now have to deal with, but at least we can see each other. So thanks for joining me in this conversation that's been named Transforming the World Through Reflections. And uh, this is an opportunity to continue exploring the way the pandemic and social injustice intersect. This time through the eyes of wonderful clinicians that uh, really are here to support the community in this process of learning about this long-standing pain and moving forward with healing. I am honored to say that I've worked with all of these clinicians during uh, our time together at Pacific Oaks College. All of them uh, had the experience of having clinical training focused on African-American family studies. So let me just introduce you to all of them. First, I will introduce Sherry Johnson, who is, please wave, 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 wave. <laughs> Sherry Johnson is a clinician who works at United American Indian Involvement and her work definitely is to support people of color in this process of healing. And I want to introduce you to Nigel Palmer. Nigel uh, created uh, Sacred Dragonfly Natural Self-Care Products and Events. And one of, one of the things that's important about this organization she created is that it supports women in developing better and more ways of self-care. Also, uh, something that Nigel has shared is that her training in historical trauma absolutely informs this process. And for that, we're so thankful. Now I would like to introduce Loretta Brazil. Loretta, and we had a chance to collaborate uh, sometime uh, last month on another one of these uh, conversations about the current state of affairs in the world. And so I'm thankful that you're here again. Loretta Brazil uh, is a doctoral candidate at Pacifica Graduate Institute, and her focus is Death psychology. Now I want to introduce Susan Lowe. Susan Lowe also works at United American Indian Involvement. She's a program coordinator at Child Abuse Treatment Program. And her focus definitely is trauma-informed and supports women uh, in the process of healing. And now Carla Michelle. Thank you, Carla Michelle, for joining. Uh, and Carla Michelle also does a variety of 
uh, things that are informed by clinical training. Now as an executive coach, Dr. Carla Michelle also supports people in the process of leadership development, better informed with emotional intelligence behind it. So thank you for all of that work. And Dr. Adila Whitaker. So glad that you're here. Uh, Adila is working right now as an intimacy coach and all of this clinical training informs her process of supporting relationships that are life-affirming. And, and she's created the Dr. D effect. And we'll hear more about this. I have to start by saying I am so proud to see the work that you are all doing. We communicate either via email or phone calls or when I see on social media all the different things that you're doing, the programs you participate in, the programs you create. And it's heartwarming because it's important that in this healing process uh, of the African diaspora, people that look like us are supporting this healing of generations. More of us, please. More of us, please. And I, I salute you and all the work that you're doing. Shall we just jump in? Let's do it. All right. I would like to, to, to throw a question out there for all of you. Although we've had private conversations about it, uh, please share what your, your greatest concerns are about what's happening right now in this pandemic and all the social injustice that is now more visible. I'll start. <clears throat> Um, for me, I think that my, my greatest fear, frustration would be for us to get on board with all of the things that we're doing and the feel-good aspect of protesting, of standing up for our rights, of speaking our truth and trying to shift systems and take all the anecdotal, um, the anecdotal distractions that the system are they're giving us we asked for them to arrest the people that killed brianna taylor months ago and they're doing everything but they've painted streets they've renamed things they've changed the landscape of some tv shows and that's nice but we need you to give us justice. And so I don't want us to look up in another 60 years and think that we've done something, we've accomplished something and moved the country forward only to find out that we haven't. That's my greatest fear and frustration. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, I can't uh, help but think about all the ways in which uh, social media has made it possible for, for this grievances uh, to be heard more loudly, because they, they've been happening for so long 
And, uh, you know, this seems to be quite the turning point, hopefully. What are your thoughts about this, Adila? I think my greatest like, fear and concern with where everything is currently is, you know, just Black people or people of color in general making an agreement with this narrative that's being pushed out that our lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. Because it's becoming to be normalized that we're seeing, you know, the police and white people murdering us in the streets. And it's I think people are kind of becoming numb to seeing it because it's happening so often and there's not being justice and there's no expectation that justice will ever be carried out because that, you know, that's been the norm. And Mm -hmm. I like, especially with the clients that I work with, it's it's like internalizing this thing that our lives really don't matter because we're seeing it, you know, play out in front of us. And that, that's my greatest fear is that we internalize and make an agreement with that narrative because that's not true. Our lives do matter. And we like Nigel said, we need justice before Breonna Taylor and all of, all of those who have fallen before her, you know, because our, our blood is precious and our lives mean something. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't have to walk around in, in fear that our loved ones won't come home or that we won't be able to come home or that we'll be shot down in our own homes. That's not okay. Exactly. Thank you so much for saying that because as it's happened year after year after year, you know, through generations, uh, a people can internalize and, and, and normalize a certain level of pain that's unacceptable. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Sherry? Uh, oh, Loretta. Oh, Sherry, go ahead. Go ahead, Sherry. Okay. Um, I was going to say, you can see the internalized racism, even in politics, when you have um, Black women or other people of color coming out and, and mentioning, you know, the important that, you know, all, not all Black people have to be Democrats and that type of thing, and they're absolutely right. However, um, to see it and to um, honor systems that have um, always um, put uh, black people and people of color at the bottom of the rung and insist on, on them being there and staying there. So my, my main concern um, through this process is that um, the shadow has produced itself and it's evident, it, it shows through um, the increased numbers of, of crime, uh, police brutality and crime that they've committed uh, right up to just last weekend, a young man was killed in Pasadena. Um, he was shot in the back and he did run away from the police, but he was still shot in the back. And then the assumption was that he had a gun. Someone claimed that there was a gun thrown away or whatever the case is. but. The bottom line is that, um, as one person said, um, black and brown people and other people of color are not getting the opportunity to be processed through a system. They are killed in the street and then, and then they're, they're, it's unvindicated. Um, Just another, just another dead person. Um, And even with if you can call it justice that the police are then either fired or brought to the due process of being murderers, they they still don't face the same type of time. They don't do the same, you know, it doesn't affect them in the same way that it does the average citizen. And so we are looking at a time where the shadow is very present. It is showing us that 
this is the way police systems started in America um, to monitor the behaviors of, of uh, black people in particular. Um, and it's going to continue. And it's, it's, the shadow is producing itself, showing that um, everything that can be done to show that it needs, that it's going to stay is, is, is here, is present. We're seeing it every day in the news. Mm -hmm. um, and so fighting against that um, is, is going to continue to be an uphill battle. We yeah. can't expect that one person can just take the, the lead and, and, and carry it and expect it to change. You know, we can, we can talk about the way that um, a politician like Carmela Harris wasn't able to or didn't do some of the things that she should have, but we also have to look at her position through that process and being one only and how much power does she really have? It may have been her decision, but was her decision influenced also by the people around her? You know, we all have to take in consideration that, you know, that this one single black woman is not, or woman of color, is not going to be able to undo what has been put in place since the first African stepped off those ships. So the intention was to keep you less than, and it's going to continue to show that. Exactly. That's my concern. Yeah, it, it is. It is something that we we keep noticing more and more. You know, the the greater the the, the protesting, the more uh, we will see the oppressor upping the ante. So, it's important that we remain united in this process of healing. Yeah. So I think just to amplify what um, has already been said, I think one of my concerns is um, in terms of the intersection of race in terms of uh, racial um, injustice and also with COVID is where my concern is, especially for black folks is how can we do this different that it is going to be all of us or none of us, right? Mm. In terms of the intersections of gender expression or ability or um, economics, um, all the different intersections, I apologize for all the intersections I'm leaving out, right? That this, what we are doing as black folks is, not, is really nothing new, right? This, is, this has been with us, right? We've had so many examples of how to do this. And I'm always amazed by the brilliance and the creativity of black folks of how we continue to think of new ways to do it. Where my concern is, is are we also need to be mindful of are we continuing to engage in systems, even as black folks that are leaving folks out, right? That when I'm talking about Black Lives Matter, and when I say it, and when I post it, and when I tell the folks, I'm including everybody that identifies as black, that is trans, that is non-gender conforming, that mm -hmm. is houseless, that is conservative, that all these different intersections, right? That is where my concern is, we can, my concern is leaving out all of us because we can't really continue to operate in, well, when we're talking about black, we're actually just talking about black men. Or when we're talking about black men, we're actually just talking about cis, uh, heterosexual black men. Right. Oh, oh yeah, and then you got black women, yeah, yeah, and black children, and. No, it's all of us. It's yes. all of us or none of us. Yes. Um, 
I'll just leave it at that. That's that's where my concern is that we um, push past these um, um, these mistruths and we really try to continue to step into our brilliance and our creativity and our and our humanity to include all of us. So this this healing calls for honoring the multi layers of intersectionality. You know, the community is diverse. All of it diver deserves honoring. Yes. Yes. So what's up for me around this? Um, and I agree with everything that's been said. Um, but I find I'm in many different circles um, for our profession. And I find that our allies um, there aren't enough African-American or people of color therapists for the amount of, of, of work that there is to do. There just aren't enough. And I say people of color, I work with natives, I work with Latinx. Um, so the reality is our allies have a place in this healing. And I've had many allies come to me initially when the racial unrest happened for me to teach them. Mm. And I would let them know after I had to deal with my own feelings around that. It's no, I'm not going to, it's not my place to educate you on anti-racist. What does that mean? How to, what is, what is it? What is it? It's not my place to do that. But what I did was provide resources. Mm. And, and then I've, and, and I've kind of checked in on them. So how's it going? What, what's, what's up for you? And some are doing the work and some aren't. And I think for me, it's also who's sincere about this? I don't, this is not just a fad or a phase, Black Lives Matter for the photo op, which is happening. Mm -hmm. And in six months from now, a year from now, it doesn't matter. I want to know who are allies that are, are really uh, concerned about implicit bias and how it shows up in mental health, how it shows up in the medical field, how it shows up in maternal mortality and Black women dying five and six times more than white women when we're having babies in in 2020, which mm -hmm. to me never makes sense. And so I think I'm often finding myself in spaces where I'm challenging. I'm challenging, challenging them. Show me what, show me how sincere you really are mm -hmm. about this, this dynamic. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, the riots were scary. It was scary to a lot of my clients because my clients live in those areas. And I say riots in the beginning, then we went to peaceful protests. But even in that, even the languaging around that, yes. even well, what, what, don't all lives matter? Absolutely. So I need you to explain to me why specifically Black Lives Matter. So that's what I've been doing. Like in my, in my work, I've been actually challenging our allies, our fellow therapists and mm -hmm. psychologists yeah. to do that. As I'm listening to you, Susan, I'm, I'm reminded of the many conversations about how difficult it has been uh, being a, a person of color to, to be approached by people who state themselves to be allies wanting to, to engage us in this teaching moment, you know, when, when our energy is otherwise drained this is hard. This is really hard. And, and uh, 
hopefully, like you said, this is not a temporary thing. That's just the result of this upheaval. You know, that the allyship is sincere. We need that. We need that. Carla, what are your thoughts about this? Hey, okay, so um, I, my concern is that I remain an ally to the, my children's age group because they were out there protesting and I've never protested. I went out there that time, but to remain an ally for them and to make sure that I, that age bracket, to make sure the millennials, to make sure that I am, they see things a little different than um, I do in the sense of racism or what is happening in the world. There, some of them are just, they haven't experienced it to the level that maybe I have growing up. And to be that ally for them is my concern. And also, I wanna also make sure that in my alliance that I'm celebrating the work that they're doing because mm -hmm. they are stepping out like never before. And that is my goal to make sure that I, I put before them the, the um, insight and revelation of just how much they're doing and just how 30 years, well, more now, 50 years ago in the 60s, mm -hmm. when, they, when the people of this age group went around and protested and, and peacefully and marched and sat in places and different things to make a change that, you know, they're onto something and to just really remain their ally. I have to say in the business world, I have seen um, a lot of switching and, and pivoting in careers because mm -hmm. of the companies not taking uh, a stand when Black Lives Matter still is important, but when it was really the thing that a company make a statement and when they've mm -hmm. seen their company not make a statement, they've pivoted out or they've uh, shifted what they're, either they've gone in and made a difference and created some type of organization to where they were able to impact their their uh, company or they've moved out and started their own thing and know how they want to treat their clients or their customers so i'm seeing a lot i just want to remain um a supportive act in that and mm -hmm. but definitely that is a concern that we lose the support uh, that those who are not saying I'm not making any change, but those who are really at a different place in their lives and that mm -hmm. this is their future on the line. Yeah. Wow. What's helping you all stay present with so much going on? What's helping you? My mic's still up, so I'm going to say I don't really spend a lot of time on the news. I'm, I am aware of what's going on. But how much I ingest is, uh -huh. is how I have to practice the self-care. It is overwhelming. You've got the pandemic. You've got social injustice. You have things that are we're waiting to happen, and they're not happening. You're not being heard on a lot of things. So it, you either you get mad or you go mad, one of them. So I'm trying to balance it out, you know, between getting mad and going mad. So uh, that's it. <laughs> That's, that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I, I have also been filtering how much news and media I consume just for like my own personal sanity. So like for my own personal journey, I had my daughter like three months before COVID shut everything down. 
So I was like home with her because she couldn't go outside. And then by the time she was able to like go out and, and embrace the world, we had to shut everything down. So we were just in the house and I, I was yeah. getting a, like a lot of cat and fever <laughs> because I needed to like see something else and have like a, an adult conversation. So I've just been trying to practice like, you know, not consuming every media outlet that comes out, you know, just filtering what I allow into my emotional mental space and then um, trying to find space and time for myself to like go outside, you know, within, within a safe distance and go for a walk. And also like, I picked up reading again, which I, I hated reading after um, going to, to grad school, but I found my love for reading again. So I tried to go back to doing that to help rejuvenate me during this yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a, what an experience. You know, it's so many adjustments. So many adjustments. I, I would say for me, um, staying in therapy uh, uh -huh. <laughs> to help me with my um, sanity balance. Um, and, you know, um, taking everything uh, in, but not allowing it to take over. And I think we can get overwhelmed with so much because each day you can, you can start five o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and go the entire day with all of the different things that are coming out and still not have read everything or ingested everything and, and more is coming. Right. Uh, and said, so like Carla said, you know, just limiting and, and Adila too, limiting what I'm taking in take it in a small doses. I think we all still need to be aware because this is affecting people on a daily basis and people that we encounter. I'm not doing therapy with anyone right now. And I start my internship in um, September or next month, uh, middle of next month. But right now I'm not in, I'm not doing therapy with anyone. I am um, working on my dissertation. Yes. I said staying in therapy <laughs> and really retracting from so much of the social media from that perspective um, and trying just more to engage with people on more of the love and the personal level than anything. So I think that that's important to find your balance and know what you can take and and recognize when you're overwhelmed because this overwhelm, you can read one article and be shot down for the day. So, yes. so recognizing what you, um, what you do, so. Yeah, uh, wow, to recognize that we're overwhelmed and the thing, the thing, the thing is, you know, sometimes you can't, if you're flooded, you can't tell just how overwhelmed you are. And, and for people who don't have a practice of pausing, you know, like, like we do, uh, this experience is so much, so much more intense in, in other ways, you know, it, it's such a wide range of experiences of, of overwhelm. Uh, and, you know, even when you have good self-care practices, that can be hijacked. Absolutely. It can be so quickly hijacked. You know, what else is helping? I know for me, I'm glad Loretta said therapy because I, as soon as COVID hit, I called my therapist and I said, I need eyes on me because I was watching other people decompensate very quickly. So um, that's been helpful. But the other thing I've been doing is, do, is being more intentional with relationships in my mm. life. I'm originally from the East Coast. 
So we do a family Zoom every other week so that we can all check in. My family's all over the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm finding that's been really helpful, not just for me, but even for some of the ones that have been isolated. I have some, a lot of senior um, relatives. They haven't gone out. They're still not going out. They have food delivered to them. I mean, and my family's in the New York area where it hit first. And so they very serious about it. Um, so that's been helpful. And then I saw how good that was. I started doing some friend check-in. So last night we had a, 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 a Friday night check-in. I want to say a sipping, but I was sipping water. So, <laughs> but so, and I think um, using these kind of platforms can help us stay connected. And of course we've had the Zoom parties and you know, because life is still happening in this mode. Graduations, I saw Carla's daughter graduating and, uh, you know, it, oh, your son graduated. It was, it, was, it was that kind of stuff. So life is still happening. So how can we normalize it to the best of our ability in this environment? So I've been definitely more intentional about checking in on my loved ones mm -hmm. and us, let's connect, let's yeah. connect. Let's connect, just like being here right now, is 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 really I, my heart is full because we have one on ones uh, and yet to to see to see you as a group I'm thankful for this moment it definitely is 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 adding to what keeps me standing yeah we need to have eyeballs on each other especially now. You know, we're grieving so many things and we can't even grieve in person. You know, how about you, Sherry, what's helping you? Sure. So, you know, to be honest with you, um, trying to just stay vigilant about, you know, daily meditation, like it's kind of start my day with meditation or prayer, um, trying to be better about daily exercise, physical movement. Um, cause I, you know, I live alone and I'm really trying to be mindful about, um, my engagement in the world. So, you know, um, so I feel safe doing things that make me feel safe and also feel like, um, healthy. So meditation, exercise, this kind of first things I do in the morning and come back inside the house where I feel safe. Right. Um, my daily, um, or excuse me, my weekly, like, uh, grocery run. I did that this morning. Right. And. Um, also, groceries would be an outing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's. I do like a little checklist. Okay, what do I need? I do strategic. You know, like okay, this be back by this certain time. I really have to kind of remind myself of these things. Like this is, we're still in it. Like this isn't. Yeah. So um, also just doing like you know being connecting with family. Um, I have two elder parents that I've been <laughs> trying to do. You know, Google Meet with. They're not having it. They just want to hear my voice and I have to make peace with that. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> so, you know, um, also with friends, like I just came from a one-year-old's birthday party and that was amazing, <laughs> you know, so that was really dope just to have a, um, a virtual birthday party. I like, I was like, first I was like, I've never been to, a, I couldn't remember last time I went to a baby's birthday party, but I was on there. I was like, this is the coolest thing. I've done it like in a long time. So it was just great. <laughs> We'll just engage seeing people laugh and smile and just celebrate life just like as we're saying like life still is going on mm -hmm. in the midst of right um a lot of folks transitioning a lot of folks 
you know, um, no longer being with us in the physical sense. So it's amazing just to be able to be a part of that. Um, and just in terms of being informed, I really trying to keep the balance of like, maybe just listening to democracy now in the morning and, you know, and then trying to tiptoe out of, you know, news throughout the day. Cause I feel like we're all more than likely a lot of input in yes. throughout the day. I don't, we don't need that news feed in. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's too much. Yeah. So I'm saying that even as a reminder for myself, like, you know, that's a daily reminder. Um, so that's what's been, that's what's been helping me. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can relate to all of the above, uh, staying connected however possible, because this is rough. For me, especially earlier on in the quarantine, um, because, you know, all that, all the protests plus what was happening in therapy sessions, you know, as, as prepared as we are to be in the presence of someone's pain, uh, in, in this pandemic experience, you know, it was just very different uh, to be in therapy sessions with, with someone that's going through a similar pain, you know. Nigel, what, what, what's been working for you? Um, for me, initially it was distraction because um, I, my two children, they were at home. So I got the opportunity to troubleshoot things that I wasn't able to troubleshoot before when they were at school. Um, and the success of that helps the morale of the whole house because the kids were getting better at school. They were more focused. Um, they were more relaxed because they didn't have the transitions from home to school and back again. We could just do school at our own time. We could make our own schedules. Mm -hmm. um, and so that helped out a lot um, initially. But during the time where school was over, just field trips to the grocery store, field trips around the corner, just walking, um, physical activity. Um, initially, uh, Sherry would suggest every once in a while we do Zoom calls, um, just check-ins um, with a couple of us that you know keep up with each other a lot. This. I was on a roll with my business doing events. I do monthly new moon events. So, mm -hmm. and I'd like to do them in person. I am not a technology person. So initially I just stopped. I did my first new moon. I resumed uh, this month, but um, February was my last new moon that was in person. And I really want to keep mm -hmm. that in person because yeah. we are so technical. Our society is so technical. I felt like that was a thing to have people come to my house, do, you know, break bread together. That was the, um, the new normal that I was trying to institute, but then here comes COVID that, you know, changed that. So now I have to challenge myself to do this digital stuff, to do this digital reaching out, which is completely different for me. So um, just this, the pre preparation for doing that is what's distracting me now. So distraction is still very high on what's helping me keep it together. I'm still in therapy and I keep my children in therapy and that type of thing, but distraction. Distraction. <laughs> Positive distraction, but distraction. But distraction. The life-affirming kind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and, and as, I, as you were talking about how different it is to, you know, have your new moon gatherings in person versus, you know, with this technology, 
it, it made me think of something I want to consult with all of you, all of you about. What's it like for you to do this work that you're passionate about? To do it now, you know, with these platforms. How has it transformed the way you you move in your in your work life, and and what it feels for you, how it feels like for you, to do it in this way now? It, oh God, for me, I work with everybody. Like I work with children and adults, and so for some of my clients, it works. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to come to the office. Mm -hmm. um, as long as they can find a space for themselves. If they have, I have clients that have five and six children and there's nobody to care for their children. So they put on a movie, they're in the house with their children and it works. Mm -hmm. But doing play therapy in this modality, oh my goodness. And right now I have one little kid client and he's four. Mm. And I almost have to exercise to get ready for the session because to keep a four-year-old in front of a two-dimensional screen requires a lot of energy, requires me find all kinds of little videos. And then, of course, we always with children, you have to be flexible because he may not want to hear the story that I want to read. Right. He wants to play colored Power Rangers. So that's what we're doing. And so um, that part is, I find, challenging. Uh, even with, we've done... a incredible job of, of giving our staff training on, on play therapy and and how to work doing assessments in this zoom mm. mode doing mm. intake in this zoom mode doing wow. measures in the zoom mode you know that stuff is pretty in, intense stuff when you when you're asking people about their historical trauma and their traumas and to do in this modality for the first time you're seeing somebody and you're just a face on a television i mean right. on a screen on a screen so, it is definitely challenging. I see Sherry waving her head, so I know she knows the pain. Say it, Sherry, say it. I mean, if it's hard to be in session with someone that you've had sessions with in person, to switch to on screen and, you know, playing with these buttons, let me pin so I can really look at you and all these different things. How yes. harder it is to have therapy sessions for the first time that we've never met before. Woo! <laughs> That's very, very true. Like, you know, I'm laughing because I can relate, especially with the kid clients. Like, I have kid clients, like, I had a nine-year-old, and she was this, the one time we had to meet on the phone, and she lasted about maybe 15 minutes, and all I heard was, like, the phone shuffle, and her mom was like, um, I think she's done. I was like, yeah, I think, yeah, she's done. So, you know, it's really been... If anything, it's been a challenge, but then I'm also trying to think, because you know what, Sherry, we're going to be doing this for <laughs> an undisclosed amount of time. You can look at this two ways, right? You can look at this as a challenge and this it's, it sucks, or you can think, think of it like, how can we grow, right? Mm -hmm. So and it's been a mixture of both. I'm not going to say like, it's all light love over here. It's been a mixture of both. That, yeah. You know, I was really been thinking about like, okay, how can I engage like kiddo clients in a different way? How can right. I engage clients that... That I've never met before, and this is the first time you're seeing me, right? You know, like, how can we do this in a way? And one thing I've been really trying to be mindful of, of what 
COVID has allowed for us. Um, because it's, sometimes it's really difficult to remind myself of that. Like, what has this allowed? Right? Yeah. This is allowed, at least for me as a therapist, allowed as a way to be able to uh, learn about more about myself um, mm-hmm. as you know, as a person, also as a therapist. How can I really affirm and engage my clients who are all very different, hopefully mm-hmm. in their space where they feel hopefully safest, right? And what I've seen thus far is when you remind people, listen, I know you got a kiddo in the background. It's okay. We're right here, right? If you need to attend to them, do that. It's fine. We were doing that anyway when we were meeting at your house, right? Like, it's, it hasn't changed, right? Um, also, what that has allowed for folks to feel safer, to be able to have better conversations about um, um, historical trauma, mm-hmm. right, or generational trauma, or spirituality, mm-hmm. is, you know, it's been amazing. It's, I, like, I really am just grateful for all the conversations I've had with different folks that we never really talked about when I was meeting with them in person. And I don't know if it's just being safer and feeling safer in their space, their home, that's allowed for that. But I, I am appreciative of working from home or being a distance, you know, um, social distancing or physical distancing, excuse me, to that's allowed for that. So it's, it's been exciting. Mm-hmm. It's been a challenge but, and exciting. <laughs> You know, as, I, as I'm listening, and thank you for, for, for saying that word challenge, because uh, for many people, it's been a creative challenge. I definitely see it that way. Uh, but even so, it has its moments. It really has its moments when, gosh, I just would l- love for it to be in person. Um, but the creative challenge is on, you know, um, not only for therapy, but also uh, in class. That's been interesting. It's been really interesting, but it's a process. And again, we try to adjust. I was reading about how for some people to have sessions this way allows for certain interventions to, to, to be explored in real time. But then at the same time, that's, that's not true for every kind of session. Or as you were saying, Susan, and you too, Sherry, if you're working with a, with a child, you know, it seems like the overarching thing here is how flexible can we be? You know? More thoughts on how you're dealing with this. I had the opportunity uh, for four years, I I might go back this fall. School's already started, but working with um, with a contract for a company that did counseling for kids who were ho- already homeschooled. Mm. So I have like four years of doing this online. We never did it in person; it was virtual. So one of the things is that creativity. I mean, we would I bring up YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. to help them learn you know i'm sure we've all tried this or you know different um uh websites that we can use to help them you know grade themselves on certain things and interaction and social skills most of the kids are on the spectrum and just socializing and and you know ideas of how to interact with each other so you you do have to be i think you work harder virtually 
you do in person because you gotta got a screen going and then you know they when they're done share they're done right and it's like yeah. they take off yeah. or you end up counseling the parent which is not your client and it's just becomes like out of you know so you do have to learn how to but i'm very thankful for going virtual prior to to help me because then with my clients that i do for my business mm -hmm. it was able to just kind of oh well this works and so if this is how it is forever i think we, we got it you know because we have so so many um tools and resources to use now and you know why have an office that's why i have an office but it's like <laughs> you know we, this is great you know yeah. to um but it is work and it is something that you do have to be creative and you do I think it's, like I said, more energy is taken and I'm definitely more worn out when I did it. I couldn't wait for summer session. I'm spent. I don't know if yeah. it's the screen plus the, the, you know, the client, but mm -hmm. I'm spent. I don't know about you, but, but, uh, I remember, especially earlier in the quarantine, I, I physically felt more tired after sessions than yeah. And so it really called for doing a lot of releasing work more frequently in the course. Yes. Oh my gosh, it was depleting. Uh, and because we're, we're also going through our own uh, pain and grief about this madness going on, uh, not only here, but worldwide. You know, all this injustice has been going on for generations. It's just that now it's more visible because the pandemic really put a lens on it and we're home so we have to see it you know um but yeah it it, ha it has been draining in in some in some new ways in some new ways but uh who knows how long how much longer we're gonna have to to be in this kind of session work or any kind of work, telework, for those who still have telework, you know, um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. You know, one, one of the things that's come up, not only for us therapists, is the idea that to switch to a virtual mode is not necessarily accessible to, to everyone. Because, you know, the whole the whole discussion about social injustice includes unequally distributed resources. So that applies to, to us in our clinical work. Not everybody that we used to meet with in person has access to meeting us virtually. Uh, I've been so worried um, about people who either no longer have access to support or never had it and are now trapped because they can't call it safe at home with perpetrators, with abusive people. That is really difficult to grapple with. How have you uh, navigated this situation? Well, I thought Sherry was going to jump in. <laughs> um, that has been interesting. Mm -hmm. 
So safety planning with some of my clients has been interesting because safety planning may not include going to a shelter, a DV shelter, a domestic violence shelter. Safety planning, how can I keep you as safe as I can in your home? Mm -hmm. um, always providing resources, but uh, it, is, it is a bit of a challenge. Um, even though we are doing everything through telehealth, yeah. I'm in a community mental health program. So we have created online workshops to keep families engaged. And that's twofold. It's, it's so that they have activities that they can do together. And Sherry can talk more about it because Sherry hosts some of those <laughs> events. Um, but it also helps us to get eyes on the children and the mom. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when there's food insecurity or there's some other things, we've partnered with other community organizations. So even though I'm a therapist and I could ask a care coordinator or a case manager to drop something off, I will take it myself so that for five minutes I can put eyes on my clients, the family, the other children in the household, just to just just because I want to make sure everybody's safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, those are some of the ways. But it, it, it's definitely been challenging. It's definitely be it's uh, it's hard. But I think Sherry could probably speak to some of that too. Jump in, Sherry. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Um, no, I think it's to echo that. Yeah, like um, the activities, thankfully, our agency had in place before uh, uh, COVID um, um, has been tremendous in terms of still maintaining um, community. Because um, we, as we all know, like, you know, a lot of things thrive in isolation. So having at least, you know, one time, a couple times a week that you can go to beating or you go to art workshop or parent cafe where you can just be like, oh, these kids, they won't listen, right? Or Mindful Monday where we just, you know, talk about like, what is it like to make an aff you know, a affirmation? That's what we're doing this Monday, right? And how that can help start your day mm -hmm. about physical exercise and how that can reduce, you know, um, uh, stress, you know, depression, all the things we kind of, the benefits of physical exercise or mm -hmm. physical movement. Um, and I think um, uh, um, Susan, Susan is right, is really thinking about like how we can still have those conversations with folks where there might be some um, real dangers in their home, right? If that is safety planning, mm -hmm. um, if that's like, hey, you know, didn't you have a, you know, a cousin you felt like safe going to, like if, you know, if you needed to, right? Having those conversations about just like remembering who is in your support system and mm -hmm. you feel safe enough to still go to. Um, mm -hmm. And even thinking about um, for our folks that um, that are don't have the best internet access, or they're sharing a tablet or a phone with their, you know, with their child. Like there's only a few devices in the home, and how do you make that work? You know, because also thinking about like for a lot of folks, I never went to their home for a variety of reasons. Right? We met at, you know, different places. If it was like a library, Starbucks, or different places. So places where option right now right um so how do we continue to make this work so it really just if anything it's really having even very more very intentional conversations with clients to see what is what safety and what engagement looks like for them because that might look different from family to family to family or client to client to client or family to family to family so it's really if anything really just really driving home the importance of having that conversation with our clients to help in, um affirm them and also empower them 
to say like, this is actually what I need or this is what actually is happening. Mm -hmm. Supporting empowerment. Yeah. I think it's it's been interesting in like being able to create this like safe space for sharing virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't work with um, children. Most of my clients are um, adults. Well, all of my clients are adults, but just creating a virtual safe space for them to feel, you know, empowered to, to express emotional vulnerability that I think has been the biggest challenge with the whole, like with, with meeting people on zoom, because, you know, if you want to cry, you know, the, the initial response is to be able to hold someone with your words, but then to have this additional, additional uh, layer of space that's there because of the zoom, it it makes it a little bit difficult because I know like a lot of my clients, if they'll cry, they'll take their self off of the video so that I can't see. And if I, if I can't hear you cry and I can't see you, I don't know how to respond versus if you were in front of me and you were crying, I would know, you know, I would be able to have that information. But if I can't see it and I can't hear it, that leaves me in the dark. And it also, it, it you know, um, rips the rapport that we have and mm-hmm. it makes it difficult for us to get past that expression. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been um, a difficult thing is to empower the clients to feel safe enough to have those um, vulnerable expressions Mm -hmm. in that space because you know sometimes they don't want to express that around their kids or around their partner and so it's like you know going to your coaching or going to see your your therapist was your safe haven because that was a space where you can express that but if you don't feel comfortable expressing it at home and you're not expressing it over zoom then Mm -hmm. where's your outlet yeah oh so vulnerability vulnerability is really compromised by having this this screen Uh, again you know as social beings, we need this touch. Yeah. I can imagine that um, um, holding yourself in an empathic um, way to feel the emotions or the connection with people over Zoom or over the internet um, and, and, and trying to have that or to, to use that as your foundation of normalcy I, I haven't had the experience yet other than I'm sure this is how my own therapist feels about me, but, <laughs> but to connect with someone without having that, that, that feeling sense, mm. uh, it must be very difficult. Um, I'm going to face that myself coming up in September. I'm sure we're not going to be at a point where we're doing face to face. That's just wishful thinking for the next few years, I'm thinking. But anyway, um, the real reality is I, I can just imagine that it, it would be difficult because I've been on conversation, you know, conversations over the phone when I was doing therapy and, and, a, and a client will call and I'm holding my breath because of what they're saying. Mm. And then I use that and say, because you use your counter-transference, right? So I'm using that and I say, I can imagine that being very difficult for you or very hard because if I'm holding my breath while you're explaining to explain it to me how often can you breathe in that circumstance under those circumstances you know are you breathing or what are you doing because your the reflection is coming through me and I'm feeling it in such a way so I'm I'm, I'm not sure but I'm thinking that's why when you talk about being so tired in connection with with sitting in session with people over the internet and looking at them and and sometimes seeing them or if they tune out like Adila was talking about 
that has to leave you um, drained because you're holding not just the the space as the containers that we are, but you're mm-hmm. also holding their emotions that are connecting through your own body. Yes. And so that's why it's so important for us to do our own self care. Absolutely. And to make sure that we are meditating or doing some type of breath work or whatever it is that helps us to push that out, uh, exercise, walk, whatever. But we need mm-hmm. to have other piece because if you're not, if you're not allowing yourself to empty the container and you're holding it for however many people that you're seeing, it, 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 it will affect you. Yeah. So I'm listening to all of you. I'm not doing it right now, but I can feel your energy and know that it's difficult. So I am assuming, I, basically you guys are preparing me for what I'm going to face at this level, right? So I appreciate it. I appreciate knowing that and, and holding that in, in my own thought. That is so true, Loretta. I'm Go ahead, Carla. Go ahead. I was going to say that that's so good because you forget about that downtime. I think you said it as well, Melissa, because I've had virtual now. I've had a, a young black man, 17, commit suicide after, you know, he was one of my clients and he actually stopped the service and then committed suicide. Um, so those are the things and it still gets to me and it's been this is probably two years now. And it it it's true. You if you do not release that as parent, I still haven't. Um, it is, it is real. You know, I, I mean, you deal, how do you deal with this? Something, how do you keep them safe? You, right. you, you're, you're, you, I can't touch, you know, I can't be there. You know, I've called, I've had to report on CP, CP, CPS, CPS. And, you know, and it's like, it's, it's on other kids, you know, and it, for, because of what's happening in the home, but you're not there. So it does, you feel so responsible, mm-hmm. even though you've come in at the tail end of what's all going on in their lives, you feel so responsible. So it is very key that we do have to do that work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, re- release and that. As I'm listening to you, you know, that too is, is a layer of the grief that us clinicians have been experiencing in this pandemic. You know, um, we, we were definitely, gosh, we take in so much and we are impacted by the suffering of our clients. You know, the day we stop being impacted, we need to rethink if we should continue being clinicians, you know, but taking care of ourselves, you know. Uh, Loretta, thank you so much for what you shared about uh, being more present with our bodies, you know. So much of what we do, especially early in therapy, is support someone in developing a sense of safety within their body so that they can feel safe in in the presence of us to say anything, to share anything. And so maybe because we are in this virtual situation, we have to really tune in more deeply into what's happening in our bodies while we are interacting uh, with our clients. Not that we wouldn't have done it in person, but Loretta, what you just said really is giving me a lot to reflect on. We, we probably need to look more deeply into our own body work, not only 
uh, during session, definitely after session, but there's a special uh, um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? An additional reason to, to do it in these kinds of sessions because something is not the same. There's a screen or it's a phone, you know. Wow. Uh, Adila, you mentioned something about rapport and it, I hooked on to it uh, because one of the one of the the beautiful things about Pacific Oaks College having uh, these um, specializations that are all about uplifting the value of cultural context when we're in a healing relationship uh, is that you know our people have for a long time and with good reason not trusted clinical work, clinical support. So the existence of you, the existence of, of these training programs uh, uh, is key so that we can keep building bridges with our communities so that more and more trust, more rapport, is developed so that our clinical work could be yet another way of providing healing because it's not the only but another way you know so now that we're virtual how do you go about this bridge building process that we were trying to do before the virtual world we're living in so can I interject a little bit? Because for me, this is where my intersection is. Mm -hmm. um, I have found when I started to do the new moons, it grew out of um, a birthday party, grew out of my 40th birthday party. But I realized that everybody that was at my 40th birthday party was in the healing profession. Mm. They were either therapists or social workers or doctors, things like that. And so I feel like that was when I realized that the people who are in the healing professions need an outlet for themselves. They need the self-care. They need to create a ritual for themselves. And that's why the new moons have grown the way that they have. And so for me, I'm servicing you. I'm servicing. You guys are my main clientele. And so to find ways to help clinicians mm -hmm. find that, time for self-care or create a ritual for self-care or just designate a space for self-care that is what I felt like oh I figured this out and then the pandemic hit so now I need to find different ways to help you guys mm -hmm. and for me I would definitely need some feedback as to how can I better provide for you how can I better um, make a space for you to come and do the work to free yourself and heal yourself so that you can be available for your clients. Mm -hmm. So if there's any suggestions around that as well, I didn't want to get too far past it before I, you know, brought it back and say, you know, yes, you guys are seeking ways and you should to mm -hmm. de-stress, to clear, 
clear your mind and to be better effective. So help me help you be better effective because that is my, my main clientele is our therapists and social workers. I think along with that, um, just to echo what Nigel, oh, Susan, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 I was just going to say thank you because I've been to her, her new moons and they're wonderful. And you're right. It is a healing space. Yes. And we do, we can revisit what that could look like. And honestly, if we do social reasonable distancing, I'm fine with getting in person with people. Mm. That's just me personally. I, I know everybody is not at that comfort level, but I know for me personally. Thank you, Susan, for giving that information. Yeah, I would, I would add that definitely I thank you for wanting to stretch the ways in which you uh, support the, the wellness of the healers. And uh, I enjoy very much the things you share on social media because it inspires reflection and that is part of healing. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I like to amplify that, um, you know, um, I think bringing right to the creativity and the diversity of, especially for black folks, um, I jokingly say like, I can really only speak for black folks because I've been black my whole life. Like that's all I know, right? You know, and, um, <laughs> that's all I know. So, and I know that I don't know everyone's black experience, right? So that being said, there are gonna be uh, folks that might feel safe enough to go to a therapist, right? And there might be some black folks who are just like, I've been harmed, you know, by therapists, by the state, by social workers. I don't want anything to do with it. Right. But I'll go to the moon. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I might go to a coach. I'll do that. I might do this or that. And I, I from all, uh, anything that's healthy and helpful, especially for black folks to feel safe and seen and uplifted, I'm here for it, right? So however that is done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, just seeing, even in this space, right, right now, and this is not even all of us, how we're all doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Dealing with, you know, your um, sexual wellness, right? That is tremendous work that needs to be done, especially yeah. with Black folks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with New Moon, right? Especially being kind of a, if you identify as, you know, a woman-centered space, that is powerful work, right? In the clinical space, yes, absolutely, right? You know, there's not one way of doing this. And I love seeing all of us, like from our cohort and also as our worlds are expanding, how we're all doing it is, I, is amazing to see. Um, yeah. And um, and all of it, hopefully, you know, and also the, I love how we're all thinking about how else can I do this, right? How else can I be of service? How else can I expand this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and I, and I hopefully want to be in concert with that as well, with either the um, workshops that I've done um, with either myself or in concert or with uh, Ebony, um, other folks, you know, like it's, it's, I, it excites me to see how I can create space, especially for black folks, especially for black women or black femmes. Like it's, I'm excited to see it. And I'm excited to see how that is, um, how that can continue to grow even after COVID because I tell my clients, I tell my family, I tell my friends, like I have no choice to believe. I have to believe in the after. Right. Um, so 
um, there is going to be an after to this, right? So how can we take the moment of, of where we are now and mm -hmm. translate that to the after? So I'm excited. To piggyback on what you just said, you know, this could be maybe one amazing opportunity for, for all of us in the helping professions to up our uh, game, so to speak, in terms of building bridges, create new ways to build bridges with our community so that we can increase the trust in a variety of ways of, of healing. You know, we, we, I mean, our creativity right now is through the roof, out of necessity, you know, and, and because we're staying in touch, I really, I really feel that this can only expand. It can only expand. It's very heartening to see how uh, several of you have partnered to present workshops and series. And I mean, it's so exciting. And the community sees this. And that's another way of letting people know, hey, Somebody that looks like me is doing some healing work. I probably need some healing. Let me find out about my history in a new way. You know, uh, this is powerful. And it is the reason why I wanted us to get together because you're doing powerful work. And I, I'm, I'm so inspired and, and proud. Thank you, Professor Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. That's what I was saying. Thank Come you. Together. Like, mm -hmm. I haven't seen these yeah. ladies in a while, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and then thank you for the work that you're doing, because yeah. people need to know we exist. You know, Absolutely. Black mm -hmm. Girl Magic, we are, we are out in the world. We went to school. We're doing this. We exist. We're not unicorns. I mean, we are unicorns, mm -hmm. but <laughs> we're here to help. We're here to serve. Mm -hmm. to help. We're yeah. here to help. I mean, it's important that people that look like us know that there, there is there's a, a large community of us that are dedicated to learning about our history. We're dedicated to teaching about our history and being a, a, an emotional support, uh, you know, to each other. Because okay. learning about it is painful. Learning about it is painful. Understanding our pain more deeply. Ooh, that's, it, it calls for support. So we need our community to know that we are here for this mutual support. Healing is not just reading more books about our history. Ah, there's so much more. And we're here for each other and for our community. I want to thank you all for, for being here today. And, and uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you for all of your beautiful work. And hopefully on the other side of COVID, we can have a food moment in person. <laughs> yes. 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 Be well. Be well. Good, Good to see Thank everybody. You yeah. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Yes. Thank you.